Thanks for joining us for the Relate Podcast, where we talk about how your past is present. Today, we're going to talk about why your story matters. I'm Casey Sunstead, and I'm your host. I geek out about all things relationship and emotional health, and we're so glad you're joining us today. I am Casey, and I am a mom of two kids, 13 and 11, and I've been married for 20 years, and I love all things relationships. I get really excited about talking about how we can do relationships better. Today, I have September Vaudry with us. Hello. September is my very dear friend. She is a author and a content developer. But even more importantly than that, she's super smart. And that's the whole reason why we're friends. <laughs> September has these amazing kids that I knew and admired. And I decided to corner her at a party and say, you have amazing children. Teach me how to do that. So that's the whole reason why September and I are friends. Yeah, we go back a lot of years. You knew my kids when they were young and rascally. That's a really <laughs> still high rascally, bar but they're not to as become young. your friend, too. Like you have to be a genius yeah, to you be to my be, friend. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm just going to leave now. I'll show myself <laughs> Not out. a genius, just an emotionally. I'm seeing you guys. Yeah, I'm on my way out. Tyler, come back. You're okay, invited to sorry. the party, man. Sorry. Tyler is also here with us. Tyler's a creative, and actually, I'm so grateful that you are here with us. I'm so appreciative of the way Tyler sees the world, and Tyler tells an amazing story. So I'm Absolutely. glad you're here. I do my best. You're an amazing expert in a different way than September. Different. You fill in gaps that we don't have, and we like love that about you. we got to get those hand motions translated into the podcast. <laughs> different. You're a little just different. <laughs> Swim against cool. the difference. That's dream. fine. I appreciate it. We're I'll... also kind of like in three different life stages too, which is kind of cool. It's true. Mm. It's true. We all have families of origin. It, we all do have <laughs> families of origin. Turns out we all origin. do. Yeah. Yes. Amazingly. Yep. Yes. Throughout this, we're gonna reference a term, family of origin, which is really just the way to say the family that you came from, your parents, any siblings, the family with which you spent your formative years being shaped into who you are today. I'm probably the senior of, of the group here. I've been married for 35 years. We've raised five kids. They range in age from 25 to 34, and we have three grandkids. Yay. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of on the, I'm like a whole generation ahead of you, Tyler. Over the years, having watched our kids grow through all of the different ages and helping them navigate relationships. And if only I had known some of the things that I've learned over the years about family of origin when I was raising my kids. So Tyler and Casey, both of you, what an advantage it is that you are doing some of this exploring now. So, I mean, I just am excited for all three of us because I mean, life will, we're forever learning how to do relationships better. It's like it's not something you ever accomplish and check off your list. But especially when you guys are like in the weeds raising your kids, you got little ones and you got teenagers and tweens. Um, how rich for them that you're learning how you were formed as a growing up person and you can learn from that and hand them a better baton. Yeah. So that they can then make mistakes of their own when they're grown <laughs> up. <laughs> totally. So today we're going to talk about even this simple concept of your past being present in to today and the way we interact. And for some of us, that's a lovely concept that we're comfortable with. And some of us, it isn't. September, as you have done and talked to so many different people about this concept of your past impacting the way we're doing relationships today. Mm -hmm. What are some of the responses that people have to doing that kind of work? Typically, there's four responses that people have to the idea or the invitation to explore their family of origin. And that would be lovely, 
painful, unnecessary, or afraid? Fear. I'll share first what my initial response was the first time I started. I was invited by a therapist I was seeing to start doing some digging in my own life. This therapist wanted me to tell her about my childhood. I'm like, what? I had a great childhood. What is it? You know, I don't have any story that's drifting into my adult life or my adult relationships. And, you know, as kids, we try to figure things out by what we observe. And um, I began to realize that some of the things that I had picked up that were erroneous ways of thinking that were not true, I carried into my adult relationships. And it really, you know, it was not a helpful thing, you know. So it, it really does, when you look back at how we were formed in those younger years, the experiences we had, good good and bad, not just, you know, negative things, but, but positive things as well. And I mean, there's all kinds of ways that our thinking is formed as a young child that lasts if we don't identify what those little seeds are and put them in their proper place and then eventually choose different uh, true, actual true truths and not false truths. Yeah, and you bring up a good, point that when you look back and you think about your childhood, you think it was lovely. It was lovely. Yeah. And that sometimes people may feel like if their growing up years were lovely and there wasn't turmoil or trauma, right. that there's no point in looking back. And I think that sometimes people think, you know what, no parent is perfect. And I mean, as a parent, you know, me raising five kids, I made all kinds of mistakes. And so I don't want to be hard on my parents. And so it, it's easy for, I think, for me and maybe for others, too, to kind of push that aside and say, that's mm-hmm. not work that I want to do. I don't need to. Nothing was that bad. It's fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But in fact, there is benefit to doing it, even if you had a very ideal childhood. Well, for me, I'm like, I'm raising my own kids. And that's a value that I have. Like, I don't want them to have to worry about. Like, I want them to look back and be like, oh, that was... That was perfect. That was lovely. That like this categorized thing that you've created. Like, so I'm defensive in that I don't want. I don't know what the next three are, but I don't want them to be part of those. I want them to be this one, right? Yeah. And you're, yeah, you want your kids to be saying good things, but at the same time, I'm constantly putting myself in the parent chair when we talk about family of origin. I go straight to like, how am I messing up my kids? Mm-hmm. But when I think about the idyllic childhood, my kids have had like this lovely dare I say, maybe even cushy childhood. But if there's anything as their mom I know to be true, it's that I am making mistakes all the time or I'm giving them the impression of something that is not true of who they are or of how God made them to be or what's true of the world. And so even the most idyllic childhood, which kind of my kids are getting, I know as their parent that there's still going to be messages to to look at. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hopefully that our goal can be that we we send our kids to therapy for different reasons than we went to therapy. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're handing them a better baton, but of course <laughs> there will be broken parts of that. Still for things sure. to look yeah. at. And as a parent of grown kids, now they're plenty old enough now to tell me in super clear language ways that I've wounded them or things that I said that were hurtful or things that I did that absolutely were, mm-hmm. you know, malformed them in some way. And, and of course, the beauty of having grown kids is that you can have those conversations. But of course, there's always some regret too. You know, we wish yeah. that we hadn't harmed our kids in any way. And so the beautiful, lovely childhood, but mm-hmm. we all know that that's 
just some people. Right. The second of the four responses that I often see would be people who have had a painful childhood. Yeah. So whether it was intentional, like they had parents that really were not loving toward them, or there was abuse of any kind going on, whether it was physical, emotional, verbal, spiritual abuse, any kind of abuse, um, or just circumstances that were super difficult. There was a lot of poverty, or there was homelessness, or there was mental illness, or there was physical illness, any kind of a really a traumatic upbringing. Oftentimes, I think we can tend to want to say, you know what, there's no use crying over spilled milk. You can't change the past. Um, My parents did the best they could. I don't want to blame, you know, and, and I understand that thinking. But the reality is we look back into our childhood not to blame, not to blame. We look back to learn. I've heard you say that before, and that was um, that was such a invitation for me because I don't want to look back to blame. Mm-mm. My parents are lovely, and the last thing I want to do is any blaming. But to look back to learn more about myself and where I came from, absolutely. I think for me, just having kids, it's one of the first things that I did was learn more about and empathize more with my parents after having your own kids, right? Yes. Oh. Like when they're little, it's like, yeah, it's unbelievable because I'm like, man, I have so much more grace for you know, what you're going through and because you don't, you, you remember pieces of the story, right? But when you think about all the other variables that could have been involved, I'm just like, you know what? I, I can't blame you too much because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's my hard. kids will blame me way more. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for and sure. I've definitely over the years as we're talking to people and I, I love to get into people's stories, I'll hear people say things like the past is in the past and I can't change it. Right. Right. But you, you can't do yesterday different. You right. might have heard that. I've heard people say that too. That's a great quote. Yeah, you can't do yesterday different. And that's like a definition of crazy thinking. If you think you can redo yesterday, you cannot redo yesterday. So then why look back? Because absolutely you can learn from yesterday and you can do things differently today. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, like I'm a gardener. So I think of in terms of soil and composting, you can take even this, the painful stuff and that goes into the compost heap and over time, and a little bit of heat that turns into something beautiful, a rich soil where beautiful things can grow. So we don't want to ignore the fact that something hurtful or negative happened. Absolutely, we need to identify those things. But we also want to be good stewards of them. Like there's no gain in just identifying something and going, yeah, that sucked. You know, what can we learn from that that will help us to do our relationships differently? What what wrong thinking in our minds, what little uh, message or belief that we have about ourselves is not accurate. It just feels accurate because it's what we always believed about ourselves. I mean, there's things that we did as kids that were maybe survival mechanisms or they were, you know, they got were us through. defense mechanisms. They got us through and they, they were helpful in that season. They're no longer helpful today. So we need to like release some of those things and choose different ways of coping and different ways of relating. Mm -hmm. There's a quote that I love um, from William Faulkner, the famed American author. And he says this, he says, the past is never dead. It's not even past. In other words, the past just keeps tapping us on the shoulder. And until we're willing to kind of embrace the past and name what it is, um, that's when we can find some freedom. So there's the lovely response. There's the painful response. The third one I would say would be, um, it's not necessary. I don't need to look back. It's the unnecessary, that kind of a mindset. So I come from a Christian worldview and reading scripture, prayer, you know, journaling, meditating, those kinds of things are part of my 
my life. That, that those are practices that I like to engage in. Oftentimes I will hear from people and, and I've gotten caught up in this myself, especially earlier in my life, where I think that I grow best through reading the Bible or through prayer or through some kind of a spiritual practice. That's how my inner growth happens best. Mm. And Absolutely, I grow through those things for sure. So not to minimize that, but I think that what I didn't realize um, and what I continue to realize more and more every year, it's not like I've got this licked for sure, is that in fact, some of the, the erroneous thinking from my family of origin, from my childhood and such that I adopted along the way, things that I picked up and put in my backpack and kept on going, those things actually have skewed how I viewed God. Mm -hmm. So even when I'm reading a passage of scripture, for example, I'm going to filter it through this little nugget that's not true, that's still rolling around in my brain. So in, until I'm able to deal with some of those broken ways of thinking in my family, of, from, you know, from my childhood or my family of origin, from my earlier experiences, um, I can't maximize my desire to grow spiritually, to grow emotionally, to grow yeah. relationally. That that work has to come first. It almost makes it, it allows us to see other people a little bit more graciously too. Because like mm -hmm. the people who don't have the same one as you, mm -hmm. that means that they're going to be looking at God or the world or the relationships around them a little bit differently than you. Because yeah. that is so much a part of us. To your point, could it be that the best thing they can do to learn is again, look back to learn, look back at their family of mm. origin to learn what lenses they're using yeah. as they're learning about their spiritual life. Yeah. I, I think that for me, that makes a ton of sense. I, I think, yeah, for sure. Because until you get clear on what might be skewing your thinking, until you identify where your thinking might be skewed, you're going to just keep doing the same thing that you've always done. You're going to be viewing your relationships the same. You're going to be viewing God the same. You're going to be viewing yourself the same. My brother was born with special needs. And he, so he had physical disability. He had uh, an intellectual disability. And so my parents had a lot on their plate, right? Any parent who's listening who has a child with special needs can relate to this. And as the only sibling of a child with special needs, the message that lodged in my brain, my parents never said this, but it's what I was trying to make sense out of my little circumstances in my little world. And I'm watching the needs that my brother had and the attention that he took in our home. And the message that I got was my needs don't matter, or they certainly don't matter as much as other people's needs in my family. And that was a skewed way of thinking. Of course, my parents would be horrified to think I took that message out of my childhood. But that, again, they they never said that they to never. you. It wasn't the message they wanted no. or hoped for you no. to attach to. No. As and now, of course, there are plenty of people who had parents who were maybe not benevolent, and they did say wounding things mm -hmm. on purpose for that purpose. I'm not. I'm. I'm in a much luckier situation than many people, so I don't want to minimize other people's experience. But for me, it was more me making trying to make sense as a young child out of what I was seeing. and and, and that totally affected my view of God because yeah. what I walked out of was a view of God that I only mattered if I wasn't being needy, right? So super performance oriented, super perfectionistic. That's how I got through school. It's how I entered adulthood, much to my husband's demise. That's how I entered marriage was an extreme fear of doing anything wrong because it was directly linked to my needs, not being important and not wanting to cause trouble for anybody. Um, 
And so, yeah, it, it skewed how I viewed God. It, it skewed my understanding of grace, of forgiveness, of where my value was. And so it really wasn't until I was able to sort that out, that there was some real healing that took place. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And so people wanting to do some studying yeah. for the benefit of spiritual growth for themselves, actually, maybe their best next step is to look at their family of origin and ask themselves the question, how is this impacting my relationship with God? Yeah, I, I, that makes sense to me. I mean, yeah. just from my own experience. So again, that, that's why, so the third one of the four would be unnecessary. The fourth response that I think is fairly typical, and, and again, people don't just have one of four specific responses, right? Mm-hmm. I think we probably all have, a, there's probably several that resonate with us. And this fourth one, I think in particular, can be one that a lot of people experience, and that is fear. And I think that we can be afraid to go there. We can be afraid to look under the hood and see what's actually causing you know, uh, some, some misfires in our relationships or in our view of ourselves or in how we relate to God. And, um, those fears can be any number of things. We can be afraid to criticize our parents, or we can afraid that it's going to be too overwhelming. Once I start doing this work, I'm going to be overwhelmed. Like if we have, you know, especially if you have a fairly traumatic story, it can be overwhelming to go there. And that makes total sense. I think that there can be some fear around what others will think of me. Like, is that weak? I think, and not to be, not to make a gender stereotype here, but I will. I think especially for men, it can be challenging to want to go to those places. I think that that sadly, we live in an American kind of a a culture that promotes this machismo thinking that, you know, you don't want to be a whiner. You want to just move forward. I don't know, Tyler, if you want to speak to that, if you ever sense any of that. I feel like in general, masculinity has not been redefined in a long time. So because of that, I don't feel like there's a lot of humility built into masculinity, right? And that's, it takes a lot of humility to go back and analyze yourself to figure out how to get better, how this, any of this relates to you. Cause it yeah. does say a lot about who you are, right? It, yeah, it does. And actually, ironically, it takes more strength to do this work than it does. I mean, it's a lot easier to say, I don't need it than it is to actually have the bravery and the courage to look under the hood. Well, that's the irony of it, right? Right. Yeah. Like the, you need actually need to be more secure in your masculinity to do this kind of work. And you guys bring up a great point about the culture that we live in. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that comes straight to my mind about being fearful about doing this work in our culture is I don't know that I've ever been as busy as I, at least as I feel mm. right now. And so to right. think about doing this work. You it's need gonna, space. Dude, and, and like time and like, energy. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Which I you know, two toddlers yeah. going into pre-K age. I don't oh. have a lot of that. What what you learn in the rearview mirror, you know, and I'm I mean I'm not ancient, but I'm older than the two of you. So um, in the rearview mirror you learn that the time that you invest doing the work that we're talking about right now is invaluable. And it gains you so much actual time. Because the conflicts that you have in your relationships will take less time because you're doing them from a healthy footing. And the relationships that you have, particularly in your home, whether you're married or you have a roommate or in in the workplace when you have a team that you're working on or you have a wonky boss that you have to deal with, all of those things will be way less exhausting and and not easy ever, of course, Mm -hmm. because conflict and people and relationships aren't easy. We as humans are not easy. I'm not easy. But when you do that work and you get a better understanding of who you are, um, everything else in life becomes more clear and a little bit easier. So what you're doing is you're investing time today to save you time down the road. You're investing hard work now Mm -hmm. for such gain. And it sounds like that 
hard work gives you tools to actually be in the present instead mm. of it helps you be aware yeah. of the ways that the past is showing up. Absolutely. It reminds me, actually, one of my favorite um, verses of scripture out of the book of John is from chapter eight, verse 32. And Jesus is talking about his teachings and, and that following his teachings actually brings freedom. And the verse says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the things that, you know, uh, that Jesus talked the most about and modeled the most we're people and relationships and how we treat people and how we love people well. I mean, it's all, that's the bulk of it. And when others are looking at us and wondering, you know, is there a difference between someone who calls themselves a follower of Christ and someone who doesn't? Where they're going to see God showing up in our lives is in how we treat people. And that's why this work matters. I mean, it's one of the reasons this work matters. So there's freedom that comes on the other side of it. So really that's the, those are the four typical ways that, that, that I've seen or experienced for myself, um, that people respond at the idea of, you know, of going after their family of origin story. Often we think of ourselves as being made up of different compartments, right? We have like our physical, you know, well-being and we have our relationships and we have our mental and emotional world and we have our spiritual world. And we think of ourselves as like these little containers. But in fact, that's not what God created. He created us as one human being. So if you could think of it as like a, a bucket of paint, like let's say it's, it's, uh, green paint that's made of blue and yellow, for example. You can no more pull the yellow paint out of a bucket of green paint than you can separate out your spiritual world from the rest of you. It's an in, He created us as integrated beings. And so every part of us affects the other. Our physical affects the relational. Our spiritual affects the emotional. We're, we're, we're a bucket of paint. But we're not four little quadrants. And so the work we do around family of origin is one way of us taking that relational bucket and integrating it in the rest of our lives and therefore enriching and becoming more who God made us to be. There's a quote by Beth Moore um, that I, gives me a ton of hope whenever I'm feeling a little discouraged about, you know, work I still need to do on, on myself, which will be a never ending journey. Mm -hmm. She says this, I am better off healed than I ever was unbroken. I'm better off healed than I ever was unbroken. In other words, even the parts of us that we have some regret and pain around, when God invites healing, which he does through this kind of work, we're actually better off than we were before. September, thank you so much for helping us consider different reactions people might have to hearing that we're going to consider our family of origins and how they're impacting our present. Well, it's an honor to be here. You guys ask great questions, and, and I learned a lot myself. And it's super interesting stuff that we want to consider a little bit more. So, Tyler, uh -huh. as you heard September talk about different reactions people have to looking back to learn, where did you see yourself? Well, I think the weird thing is uh, I'm I'm a pretty introspective and like self-aware person to begin with, or at least I try to be. The irony is everybody who's listening is like, no, um, but uh, <laughs> that guy. I think I think part of being married and then having kids is you you shift your thinking from well, this is how this is how idyllic my life growing up was, into like oh well it's because it's different than my spouse or because parenting is different than how I was parented, there has to be some of these other things in here, right? So while I would like to think that mine was idyllic, there is definitely some unnecessary things that I feel um, or even some fear things that I, I feel. Marriage is like the ultimate 
mirror being held up to you. It really is. Well, and even more when you have kids, because you're just like, you're looking at your kids and you're like, who taught you? Oh, no. It was me. That was me. It was definitely me. And so. For me, when I think about my family of origin, I... I do feel protective of my family. I think that's some of that, like, my, my parents are great, and we had such an amazing childhood filled with all these amazing memories and fun traditions. Um, and if I look back, I was one of those people. It really brought me permission when I heard September say, we look back to learn and not to blame because that was a big roadblock for me. I'm not looking back in my in my story to blame anybody, especially these lovely characters. Well I think we have bits of each of these and I'm like I can I'm I'm a middle child so I'm straight up like, yeah, oh yeah, my life was a painful experience and like everybody again is like, okay, white middle class family. I'm sure it was really painful for you, right? It's not actually painful, but you are like, man, what a victim I was <laughs> being picked on from both sides or whatever. But um I do think there's more grace that you get when you start to have kids of your own because you realize, oh yeah, they definitely did the best that they could. And rather than dealing with it, it's more, it's much more easy to just excuse and be like, well, that they did what they could. And, um, there's no use in dwelling on it now because it's, it's over. I can't change that. It's true what you're saying. Yeah. It's our experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For me growing up, in the church and being a youth group kid who um, you talked about your middle child. I'm also a middle child. And for me, that looked like being got to stick together, being the good <laughs> kid that made sure everybody was happy. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was your job. Yes. Yes. My self-appointed job yes. to care for all the people. Absolutely. And when September brought up the fact that our um, family of origin also informs our spiritual life that makes so much sense to me because I I can see in my own interaction with God I, I'm still putting on that middle child hat out of this learning we want to give all of us some space to consider this and to apply it to our everyday life our present now and so we have some discussion questions for you to consider and wherever you are in this moment we'll give these questions to you now and give you some space to ponder and consider these. And we also encourage you, we feel like relationships are the whole reason we're doing this podcast. It's our passion. We encourage you to discuss these questions with somebody in your life that feels like a trusted friend or somebody that can help you um, as you look back to learn. So when it comes to unpacking your family of origin story, do you identify with any of the responses we discussed today? If so, which one was it for you? The next question, who are the main characters in your family of origin? Have they been mostly easy or mostly challenging? Share your experience. And lastly, what hesitancies or fears do you feel when it comes to exploring your family of origin, whether that's doing that work by yourself or sharing it with others?
so much for joining us here in Relay as we explore how our past is present. For a recap of today's topic or to dive a little deeper, check out the show notes where you'll find helpful resources and discussion questions so you can continue the conversation with a friend or group. Make sure you join us next week as we ask, what does it look like when our past shows up in our relationships today?